This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And love. Oh, and love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock! Four wide break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Still rule Fox. He's gone to the left. Oh. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he hasn't! No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll, joined by Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And some say he got so deep into Championship Manager that he stopped playing with the user interface and instead played his game purely with the binary digits of the operating system. <laughs> Others say he's longer than former Villa keeper Michael Oakes in the showers. It's Michael Marden. Hello. Well, Hello. big week last week. We put the Manchester tickets on sale on the mailing list. Um, there is one left in the stalls. <laughs> there, Could it be you? Could it be you? Uh, there's And there's about 30 or 40 left in the high tier. They're going on general sale at 10 a.m. on Monday. To be honest, we thought there'd be um, some, some more exciting seats still left. So, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, they're going on general sale 10 a.m. on Monday. The London ones have all sold out. I imagine these will sell out quite quickly because... We worked out that our mailing list is 6% of our listeners. 3.5%. 3.5% of our listeners. <laughs> the saddest thing is you texted me that at 10pm when you were out on a Saturday night. Exact rock and roll, mate. <laughs> With Marlon Howard. With Marlon Howard. <laughs> so if you want to buy them, uh, go. we'll tweet the link at 10am on Monday or just go on the Lowry uh, website. Time for correspondence. I'm Jim Rosenthal and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. As always, can we just say thank you for the amazing amounts of correspondence that we are struggling to get through. And if we haven't picked you, it might be a reflection on it being shit, but it's possibly a reflection <laughs> on the fact that we've got loads. Yeah. So do keep it coming because it's great. And we will attempt at some point to get as much of it out there as possible. Um, and just a, a sample of how much we're getting. I'd like to thank Mark Busby, Alan Miller, Chris Marsh, Roy Porter, Vikesh Banyan-Hub, Tom Scott and Josh W, who all pointed out that Fison's 
were uh, are a defunct pharmaceutical and horticultural chemicals company <laughs> just to misplace Steve Sedgley clearance from Portman Road. Um, and I had an email that said, tragically, the business went bust in 95. The same season, coincidentally, as Ipswich got relegated from the Premier League, a campaign which included the infamous 9-0 massacre at Old Trafford. <laughs> Not a happy time for the Anglian region. <laughs> um, if you do have any correspondence, just email it to hello at quicklykevin.com. What have we got this week, Chris? Right. We had an email from Matt Atkinson. Hi, all. I just wanted to get in touch as I have something further to add on the Gary Mabbott, Dulux dog situation. Yes, Gardner please. In Bristol. This is about uh, last week or the week before when uh, Gary Mabbott and the Dulux dog did an in-store appearance at a bed shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, the bleak pictures of which are on our Instagram if you want to invest. You say bleak, I say uh, wonderful. <laughs> so Matt, Matt Atkinson, I believe the best bit has been omitted from the story. That, no! That being that Gary Mabbott and the Dulux dog were actually there to run a raffle. Whoa. <laughs> Obviously, Gary was mainly administering the tickets for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, pause. This is not an ordinary <laughs> raffle, though. The raffle prize was 12 tins of white Dulux matte paint. <laughs> oh, wow. You uh, think, you would think that you... <laughs> <laughs> you would think if you were entering the raffle, you could choose your colour. Yeah, yeah, at I the mean, very least. I suppose everyone uses white to some extent in their house. But <laughs> 12 tins? 12 tins? <laughs> Matt Atkinson says, living in a small rented flat that we are not allowed to paint, I obviously had limited use of said paint. <laughs> Did he win? Suffice to say, to the annoyance of my girlfriend, I bought a strip of raffle tickets from Gary and the Dulux dog. <laughs> I tried to explain that it's not all about the paint, but she did not seem to understand. But I did not win the raffle. But Gary was a gent and he knows how to administer a good raffle. <laughs> Can I just ask, is this the same person that we got the original story from? No, it's different. So we've person. got two listeners yeah. that were at this event. Wow. If there's anyone else that was at this event. It's like, you know, when they're just getting all the different witnesses yeah. from the JFK show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that our listeners are at this event like flies to shit. <laughs> <laughs> all over it. Um, on it. Sorry, we will move on. But I haven't got a car. So winning the tins of paint would actually be an annoyance because yeah. I'd have to get a taxi well, to get you, it home. Well, if you had to leave it in store and like come back later, you've got a perfect guard dog there. <laughs> Gary Mabbott. Gary Mabbott, yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you for that. If anyone's got any more stories about Gary Mabbott doing in stores or have you ever been to an um, opening or anything where a 90s footballer has... Yeah. Uh, made an appearance hello at quicklykevin.com and if this ever gets commissioned for a TV show I'd love to do a dramatisation of this raffle <laughs> we we'll play yeah. Gary Mabbott that's the kind of thing that will make uh, producers absolutely not commission this <laughs> TV show <laughs> alright now for his second appearance Matt Ford this is one of my favourite of the series we should say this was recorded before Ronald Koeman was sacked as Everton manager yeah this is Matt Ford on England's failures at World Cups and European Championships in the 90s. Carlton Palmer, Paul Ince and Lee Sharp form the midfield with David Platt taking the role of Paul Gascoigne just behind the striking partnership of Alan Shearer and Paul Merson. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin Will He Score for the second time, Matt Ford. Hello. Pleasure to be back. Three times you get to keep the microphone. <laughs> It's an honour to be back, fellas. Last time Forest, this time England. Yeah, I'm worried that today's going to be more emotional, actually. Well, it's going to be hard. So what we're going to do today... Oh, I'm already oh, nervous. Because you're probably the 
biggest England fan I know. I still get involved in England in a way that I think a lot of other people have lost the faith. Yeah, yeah. I watched England v Wales with you. It was amazing. Oh, that was fantastic. Wonderful. That was everything that I love about football. I can't remember anything about the game apart from the goals. <laughs> I don't give a toss who was playing out wide or anything like that. I just remember scoring and, and you know being able to point at the nearest country to us and go, ha! <laughs> That was the best thing about it. That was the best. And then go, oh, they're lovely, the Welsh, and all the rest of it. We're going secretly inside. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we thought we'd go through England's five defining matches of the 90s. Oh. Take you through them. Well, we say defining. The, the, the defeats yeah. that ended our run in a tournament. Yeah, all five yeah. tournaments that we so, entered I mean, in the 90s. We're about to analyse five defeats, and it's going to be emotionally draining, I imagine. Yeah. I will say, in preparation for this, I watched some of the footage, and... Goosebumps, <laughs> genuine yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. Think if I think about Ronald Coleman's, I'm thinking about Ronald Coleman's foul on David Platt now. Still and I'm getting him. goosebumps. Yeah, I do hate. I'm I a whole view him. on Everton has changed. But you know, people don't remember that it's him. People don't even remember who he is. This is the problem with modern football. Is that, <laughs> but with and with modern football fans, there's yeah. that sort of pre. Although it's post '92, but that kind of yeah, it's, yeah. it's pre glamour. Yeah, yeah. There it's is like, a desire to forgive and forget, but for some things, I just think it's not acceptable. Would you, would you accept be Ronald Koeman as forest manager? Diego Simeone. Oof. Let's come to those. Oh, let's anyway, let's... Andreas Moller. <laughs> now, <laughs> the way he celebrated. I'd oh, put him top. Of yeah. the, anyway, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's fire up the DeLorean and go back to Turin. <laughs> Turin. 1990 oh, World Cup. Semi-final, England versus West Germany. Shall we begin to take a look? Yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Makes the hairs in the back of my neck stick up. I genuinely think, and I'm not just—I've thought before that if I went on Desert Island Discs, this might be one of my eight choices. Yeah, because I think, because I think it actually has more emotional effect on me than any other piece of music that's ever existed. I almost forget that it existed before football. Yeah, it did. Well, Pavi Rotti wrote it for the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that it's been an established piece of music for a very, very long time. I've never looked up what he's singing about. Do we have any idea? I no. about Chris Waddle. <laughs> Don't let Pierce take one. <laughs> right. So, choice. That really set a precedent, though, that, that theme tune and that style of opening. If you look at, what was the one, was it Euro 2004? Just, uh, if, you're, if you can't, obviously, if you're listening, it's a kind of sepia-tinged montage to make football look highbrow, I think. I think that's what it has kind of done. Um, so, let's have a listen to Des Lynham's intro to this match. Good evening. This, of course, is the most momentous day for English football since July the 30th, 1966. And it's estimated that more than half the entire population of the country will be watching tonight's semi-final against West Germany. What the other half are doing, we'll leave up to them. How do you feel about that? Well, I'll tell you the first thing you notice, and I noticed this when I watched Euro 96 clips back, and I, as I do on a regular basis, 
Union Jacks and not St George's Crosses in England. Now. I always find that weird. In 1986 yeah. against Argentina, the whole stadium is filled with yeah, yeah Union Jacks. When did that? When did that change? Was France '98 was the first time I really remember England a predominance yeah, of St yeah. George's Crosses. Maybe you're '96. Yeah, I think the thing I, I pick out for Italian '90. I don't know if I've said this before, but there's something about the way it was filmed. Yeah, that is the colours are so vivid. Yes, yeah. that it just looks so much more romantic than any other football tournament's ever existed all, almost all the games feel like it's at night which is inherently better yeah and Lineker is like brown and shining with yes. sweat and lithe and he looks amazing Gary Lineker tans brilliantly when he goes abroad <laughs> <laughs> FYI he's had that tan ever since yeah, yeah. The, thing but, I, the thing I love as well is the nets are really shallow in all the oh, games yeah. and Lovely. I think that there's never been a net like that I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I watch it and I'm like, I'd love to smack a ball into a shallow yeah, net yeah. Lovely. and the kits shimmer there's an intensity in these games and it's, it's a mixture of those things it's at night it's the kit it's the fact that they were getting tans while they're out there. But when you watch that kickoff there, you immediately know that's an important game of football. It's not just any other game that you could watch in the modern era. There's, yeah. there's a, you, can, you, can sm- you can see the intensity in the air. Okay, Italian 90. Yeah. Changed football, supposedly. Yeah. Do you buy that? Changed it, what, in the fact that it inspired a new generation? Inspired everything that's gone since, the Premier League. Yeah, I th- I'd agree with that. And did it inspire you? Oh, absolutely. It was the first, so I'd have been... Seven that summer on the verge of my eighth birthday, and that was the first major football tournament I remember. And I remember like my mum's boyfriend had watched football on telly, and as a kid, until then I hadn't been that bothered, but just becoming absolutely drawn in by Gaza and Pierce, and those being like the real sort of emotional yeah. entry points of of the tournament. And, just and, 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 and in many ways, the emotional exit points to <laughs> Pierce of the tournament. <laughs> Very true. But that was the first time you like you realised. I didn't realise there was an England team before then, really. Did you follow the tournament much? Were you watching all the games? I wasn't watching all the games. I, was watch- I watched every England game and then a yeah. few bits and pieces. But I, I, I remember being very young during it. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah, I do. I, I collected the sticker album, which was uh. the first time I really got into football. It was the Orbis one, where it's like it was a 20-part yes. thing. And then you'd get the stickers. Double collection. That I got into that and I remember the... I think we've talked before about the little red Coca-Cola balls. Yeah. Oh, you yes, do, yes, that's chow right. on it. With chow on it. And yeah, sort of the man made yeah. almost like And I remember buying the England New Order single. Yeah. But I don't think I was fully aware of football until that tournament. But then I did watch a lot. I watched. I remember the first game in Argentina versus Cameroon. I would have watched all the England games, yeah. but the only I don't really remember watching them. What about you two? Yeah, I, I remember being on holiday <laughs> and like watching it, watching it in like some kind of like Spanish pub, like with my dad. And uh, but I just like I think I've said this before, but I thought this was what it was going to be like for my entire life. Yeah. So we just lost the World Cup semi final. I was like, well, there'll be another one. Yeah. Yeah. This will, yeah. We'll carry on like this. We're, the, we're that good. We're England. Like it's going to be. This is going to be the rest giving of my away life. the result of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's fair to say England weren't good enough to get to the semi-finals in there. They fluked their way through. We drew our first two games, then we beat Egypt 1-0. Yeah. Beat Belgium with a last-minute extra-time goal. Yeah. Almost lost to the Cameroon and won with two penalties. <sighs> There's a thing then we play against West Germany, and it's the best we did, and we lost. Heartbreaking. This is such a bleak podcast. But that's, <laughs> it's so what fun. are your memories of watching it? I remember watching it with my mum and my sister. I remember my sister, and this was a real early warning into the politically correct society we were going to live in, started rooting for Cameroon because she felt sorry for them. 
football works. She's like, no, 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 I'm rooting for Cameroon. And even as like, a seven-year-old, it's, like, it's obviously not how it's meant to work. It's not about who you like, it's about where you're from, and that's the end of it. Um, but my sister, Umtombe, oh, no. was then sent back to... <laughs> That was, the, that was the first, you know, Where did you watch the England-West Germany game? Uh, at our home, which was then in Snenton in Nottingham, in a sort of, you know, Coronation yeah. Street-style terraced house. Yeah. Around a small, portable telly. Um, and then just cried, cried uncontrollably at the end of it. Well, let's... <laughs> let's see if I put that box. Feud with my sister. Now, Bremer is standing at the back of the three. It's direct... And it's been deflected, and it's in the net. Bremer's shot. I'm sure that span off Paul Parker and beat Peter Shilton in the most unfortunate of circumstances. We're appealing for offside. The Germans, and they're in trouble. Alcantara couldn't do it. Lineker probably could. And England have equalised. It's Gary Lineker. won't be shaken off and in the end the German bench get up and protest at Gascoigne's last challenge he has actually Gascoigne got a yellow card now oh dear oh dear me he's going to be out of the final if England get there support coming in there from Platt who's moved in there now oh Waddle can he square it for Lineker Waddle shoots just beat David Platt. And England move into new territory. So now Stuart Pearce, who's uh, done the job for Nottingham Forest, can he do it for England? He can't! Ildner has made a save. Olaf Tone has got an opportunity here to put the Germans 4-3 up in the shootout. He has. They lead 4-3, and that means that England have to score the next one to stay in it. What a responsibility for Chris Waddle now. Jordan knows that if he keeps Waddle out here, Germany are in the final, and England are out. Would you want to be Chris Waddle now? So, I think we played well. Yeah. West Germany scored a free kick, which basically hits Paul Parker. For me, Peter Shilton feels like a very short goalkeeper. I think he's to blame for that goal. I thought it yeah. at the time, and I've always yeah. felt it. He was 40 years old in that tournament, and as good as he was, yeah. he is too slow to get back. It dips for so long and so far. And he's on his line. He's on his he's line. On his How can he get Well, kids. The history of English goalkeepers. Like, <laughs> yeah. David Seaman inherited that as well. Like, yeah. for me, that's the most heartbreaking moment of that match. He is. His. I remember reading about his penalty technique, which was to let them hit the ball first. Yes. yes. Insanity. Which it just seems bizarre. Well, it, it makes him he look goes, good. He goes the he, right way yeah. in it, for every penalty in that shootout. Yeah. His technique is to follow the ball, but doesn't get close to the one. I could score yeah. if that's his technique. Yeah. 
Like, I'd fancy my chances. All I've got to do is put it in the corner because he's not getting there. He'd be better off studying the people that, or, or just guessing. Just commit yeah. one yeah. way and then pot luck. If I said my theory before on what we should do about penalty saving. No. Which is the third goalie that never gets used should be a penalty expert. Oh. And you, which is well known to the other countries yeah. that you're bringing this penalty expert and then you say all he's going to do is study the penalty and practice penalty saving. Well, who did that? Louis van Gaal did that, didn't he? With he the did, but he didn't dogs. make it as publicly like... Right. And then imagine the team shitting themselves yes. when you bring this guy because yeah. you bring on someone to take one penalty bring on someone to save five yeah that's yes. just like special teams in the NFL you've yeah, got exactly. one guy that's his only job basically the penalty to guy save, yeah. but then maybe he, saving penalties is really hard <laughs> <laughs> and that is only so and professional Premier League footballers are only ever going to be so good right you just genetically engineer someone to be like four foot wide <laughs> like, a, like a prize winning marrow just to, <laughs> It's the big bloke who got <laughs> huge gloves. <laughs> I mean, Neville Southall tried to sort of like expand as far as he could, didn't he? Like, to be fair. Like... Um, anyway, England equalise. Extra time. England hit the post in extra time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Chris Waddle. Yeah. He didn't just miss the penalty, he almost scored the winner. Well, I, I have a theory about Chris Waddle. For the Cameroon game, Chris Waddle has a mullet. But then for this game, He's had his hair cut. He has. Now, we're all familiar with the Bible story, Samson and Delilah. <laughs> I'm not saying, had he not had his locks cut, he would have scored that and scored yeah. the penalty. But I'm not not saying <laughs> But not that he cut it off himself, but then a, that a spurned lover has yeah. a, a crept it a in the night. A German mistress <laughs> came in with the gradients. <laughs> I know what you need, Chris. Short back and sides. <laughs> um, we've missed probably the key moment Arguably in the in nineties football. Yeah. Which is so Gascoigne's already on a yellow card before the match. He then chases the ball down during extra time. And I don't know who the German player is. Frankly, I don't care. Barry Davis. It's, it's Berthold for Twat face. Um Berkhold more like. Anyway, right. Um Gaza goes in. It looks like a foul. Isn't that's the best yeah. you can say because I don't think there's seen another angle where he doesn't touch him. Yeah, yeah. but these days you'd get carded for it anyway. Yeah, 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 it yeah. looks bad. Yeah, right? he's, yeah, he's off yeah. the floor. He's yeah, both yeah, legs yeah, in. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. The tears, which have been talked about a million times. Do you, how much do you think that had an effect on everything? Those tears? huge, massive. I don't think you can underestimate the the effect on the British or specifically English male. That it was okay to cry. Do you think really? Huge, hugely. Hugely. Is indirectly led to like the reaction to. to (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say another tragedy. I was going to say the reaction to Princess Diana. Yeah. Well, definitely. That's all. It was all part of you know British culture and and British society was very you know old school, stiff upper lip, deferential, and there are certain key moments where particularly working class people felt that they could express themselves in particular ways. And that, you know, our relationship with our own masculinity is, you know, a constant source of frustration for a lot of us. But that that was that was a key moment. That was yeah. a key moment. Who cried first, Gaza or Thatcher? <laughs> Thatcher was November that she went. And, oh, and, and Gaza was crying in the summer. Legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- Gaza got rid of Thatcher. <laughs> My oh, God, good on you, so, Paul. Yeah, I should say, so, 
Not Ben Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. It's just, just sort of like when Thatcher drives out of Downing Street, the gas is at the bottom of the near the gates, and you know, with a chicken and a dressing gown on. Fishing rod, fishing rod, six cans of lager. Maggie, I know a Maggie from the Dorsley. She used to work the doors. It'd be a right bet. So, um, for me, the iconic bit of the Paul Gascoigne booking is when Gary Lineker gets caught telling Bobby Robson to have a yeah. word with him. Which I think, for me, is actually more emotional than Gaza crying. Mm. I just think that's the greatest moment of football footage of all time, is Gary Lineker speaking to Bobby Robson. Yeah, because it's, it's like you feel like you're getting a bit of insight there. You're seeing something you're not supposed to see. Anymore. Yeah. And it's like the big brother looking after the little brother yeah. talking to the dad. And he, he's the face... Lineker's the face of the, na- like the yeah. nation at that point. Going, yes. Oh, no. like He's, he's in it. He's... Like experiencing it with everyone at home. Yeah, he's your mate saying like one more pint and then we're gonna have to get out of here. He's he's like, you've been sick everywhere. No one's noticed. But let me switch to shots after this. Um, And then you see Bobby Robson talking to Gaza. It might be before the penalties. It might be in the break. And he's saying like, don't. He's saying, don't worry. A lip reader has recently turned to look to see what Bobby Robson said to Gaza. When he's in tears at the end of the game, and I will now read verbatim what the lip reader said. Robson, don't worry, you've been one of the best players in the tournament. Gaza, I'm all right, I'm sorry. Robson, oh, oh you're going to have to forget about everything oh. else. Don't worry, son, don't worry, son. You've been absolutely <sighs> magnificent, haven't you, yeah? You've got your whole life ahead of you. This is your first, don't worry about it. Uh, What's incredible is that at the time, you don't realise how young Gaza is. You know, you're watching it at yeah. the ages we were at watching it. You're like, well, he's a fully grown man. Yeah. This man has no problems. And then yeah. you realise by the end of the game, actually, like your whole view of what a man is and it has changed. Mm. And listening to that back, you realise Gaza was a kid. And the weird thing is, he never did get to play in a World Cup again. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, right. Imagine turning up with a, getting out the DeLorean and whispering that in his ear. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, mate. This is it. Oh man. Well, the other moment, and then we lose yeah. the shootout. Pierce, obviously. Yeah. Penalty taker for Forrest. And of course, his confidence at Forrest was bulletproof. Yeah. And yet he, he stands up to that penalty looking now, I deeply scared. I couldn't find this, but on the ITV coverage, I'm pretty sure that um, Pierce cries afterwards. He does, yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure the commentary is Brian Moore saying, um, Stuart Pierce crying. And I thought he was a really hard man. Whoa. Which... Slam. <laughs> if, he's, if that's what he said, and you're. But I think he means it not in a slam, but in a yeah. like, this is what the whole thing can right. do to if anyone. If someone that hard can cry, yeah. then, then it really does. Then it really can. matters. Yeah. yeah. I rewatched that whole game this morning, and there's a piece of commentary where John Watson basically says that Bobby Robson told him who were supposed to be the penalty takers, and Gaza was going to be one of them. Yes. It wasn't going to be Waddle. And it was oh. only because he got booked and he felt that Gaza wasn't in the emotional oh, place. So had Gaza not got booked, he probably yeah. would have taken... Well, he would have taken one of the five but penalties. Then it would have just been Stuart Pearce because Germany's fifth penalty would have seen them putting it in the corner and Peter Shaw and diving after it two <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> so, shall right. we... Um, shall we get back in the DeLorean? Yeah. Well, shall we rate that pain out of ten? <laughs> For me, if the scoring system is absolute, this that is a ten for me. Yeah, I like. I think that that is possibly more heartbreaking than Euro '96 because this is this is the ultimate. This is what you strive for as an England fan. I think it's also the age I was at the time. Because it was the first. I had yeah. nothing else to judge it against. Whereas with, and I think you're right. Earlier, you sort of think, well, there'll be another one. For yeah. me, the pain came from England, but also, you know, specifically from Pierce. Mm. I felt so bad for him. So it would be a nine for me. Okay. 
Right. Right then, Josh, get, you get in the driving seat. Let's fire up the DeLorean and go back to Solna. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was where it was played. So, um, England, England versus Sweden, Euro 92. You are the number one. You're going to have to take us through this one, Fordy. I was so excited about this because it was two years later. We'd qualified. There was, there was a strong Nottingham Forest showing in the in the squad. Nigel Clough and, and Walker and and Pierce and ex Forest player Neil Webb. So it felt like you know a large part of your you know your yeah. idols were, were playing there. And it was only two groups in the tournament, just Group A and Group yeah, B. There were only 18. eight teams in the tournament. And I was sort of convinced we were going to win it. Also, just in terms of football history, it was the first tournament where uh, players had the names on the backs. Oh, yeah. They hadn't had that in Italian night. Then Euro 92 was the first one where you had names on the backs. Wow. Do you want to hear the England team for the game against Sweden? Yeah, go on. Here's a team. Chris Woods. Brilliant go goalkeeper. Right back, David Batty. Playing out uh... position. <laughs> Keonan Walker at centre-back. Stuart Pearce left back. Right midfield, Tony Daly. Three in the centre of midfield. Webb, Palmer and Platt. <laughs> Andy Sinton left wing. Sinton. And Lineker up front. That's just not good enough. <laughs> just nowhere near good enough. I think it's fair to say that is probably the worst team of any of the ones we're about to see <laughs> yeah. in the five the five yeah. big games in the 90s. This this one just doesn't stand up. At this um, stage... So Gaz presumably injured... Ah, oh, yes, I think he was. Oh, yeah, of course, he'd done his leg in the uh, 91 Cup final. So Gaz is injured... Um, and that's it. I can't think of anyone else. It was awful. It was awful. I was a member of the England fan club at this point, and I, even as a kid, you you were getting sort of postcards, you know, signed postcards that weren't. Mm. You know, and the, even as a child, you're like, these are dreadful footballers. When you look at no one better than these. <laughs> I think Shearer was taken, wasn't he? Shearer might have yeah, got yeah, and Shearer does get on the bench. Shearer was on the bench, and they brought on Alan Smith. I mean, <laughs> Alan Smith, not. The Alan Smith that was at Leeds and no, 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 and, the one that's and, now a Sky pundit. He's just got that kind of uh, you know everyday voice, isn't he? Alan yeah. Smith, <laughs> can't quite play spurs from you. You're not really bothered. <laughs> so we had England drew their first two games nil nil. Yeah. What I mean, this but is. The, but the nil nil against France was one of the most explosive games of football I can ever remember. Okay, because that's where Pierce gets headbutted by Basil Bowley. Oh yeah, and, and shatters his face, and then right near the end gets a free kick. And gets the opportunity to to sort of you know get instant justice really, and he hammers it and it's bar line and out. Oh. And for years I was convinced that it had gone over the line. Well, these things do tend to even themselves out over twenty six seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just you know it felt like this was raw. You know, obviously it, images of Terry Butcher had been used. I was too young to remember Butcher getting you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd seen it in the papers and they're like, oh god, these guys are hard and they're bleeding. And he was sent off, you know, he had to go off the pitch before he took the free kicks, blood streaming out of his face, yeah. Piers. And in his book, he says, Basil Bowley, nuts, and when you see it, it's just totally off the ball. 
Um, but he says that he knew Basil Bolly was going to leave him alone. So he says to Onglamar, I know it was you that did it. So then he's got two players leaving him alone for the rest of the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> he thinks, you know, at the time, sounds like clever mind tricks. Repeating that in 2017 actually sounds a little bit racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all these years, actually, it's only just now you go, psycho, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Shall we uh, watch this game? And it was the it was the Italian ninety kit as well. So, so that so, was when you used to get two tournaments out of an England kit. Ready? Oh, it was so bad. To remind you, both sides have drawn with France. Sweden shading it against Denmark, who held England nil nil. And uh, Vati had got forward. It's a neat header for Lineker. And David Blatt. He's miskicked it, but it's gone in. A great start for England. They have scored. This tournament is, was very much the template for every tournament since, say, 2006. Yeah. <laughs> like, forgettable. Yeah. Terrible performances. But yeah. so, like, only eight teams, and you've been in the World Cup semi-final. That's just so eminently winnable. Mm. Oh, it's Ericsson has done it again. First France and then England. It got through. 1-1. Rolling. Look at this goal. There's a zest about Sweden now, which is very impressive indeed. Rolling, darling. That is glorious. Absolutely glorious. I've got his autograph who's at Leeds. And he's severely put on weight. And he looked like Jane Torville. <laughs> he does look like Jane Torville. <laughs> he had a really sort of like Michael Gove kind of bow selectory type face. So, England v Sweden. Let's get out of the group. Let's get into the semi-final. We've had a nice time here in Solna, but I don't really want to hang around. No. So, <laughs> so let's just go through the match. Platt scores with the shinner after yeah. about six minutes. Yeah. Someone equalises. Ericsson and then... Um, <laughs> Broly scores an amazing goal. He was a brilliant player when he played he with Palmer. And who's the one? Martin Darlene, was it? The yeah, one that we, yeah. we almost signed him. He was very impressive that day. I mean, it's How? a good goal, bro. Like the Sweden's winner. There's a good pass, like, objectively. They've it's passed around us in a decent that In two years, the England team's kind of public profile has dropped so much that this isn't considered an iconic moment. That's really good. I mean, for me at the time, I was distraught. Yeah. Because Gasford said it was okay. Is <laughs> <laughs> Pierce captain for this game? It looks like he's wearing the armband. I don't, there, isn't oh, unless someone's gone off. I don't think he was captain. That no, stage. Lineker's the captain. Yeah. Uh, but Lineker was off by that point. And that was insane that I... taking Lineker off. Yeah. So this is Lineker's last ever game oh. for England. Yeah. He's, a... he's goal behind Bobby Charlton. Yeah, and he'd already said that he was retiring from international football after this. He's missed a penalty in a warm-up match to equal Bobby Charlton's record. Oh. Hasn't scored in the tournament. Comes off for Alan Smith. It was stupid, really. And it's I an love... awful decision. I love Graham Taylor, and I feel very emotionally about him. But it was dreadful. And his period in time with the England squad really was was a total disaster. Yeah. And this was this was the warning sign. Yeah. Taking off Lineker for Smith. <laughs> like no, not even a pub drunk would have done that. Like, it's just so stupid. Well, he didn't get the job he said at Forest, the pub drunk. But, <laughs> but, That's a real stinger, that's. (laughs) What are you going to score the pain? Not of that joke. Of of England versus Sweden. Chris and Michael. Uh, This is a forgettable tournament, but like I say, it's the template for every England tournament since 2006. This is, we're we're in purgatory. We're in Euro 90. Every year feels like Euro 92. 
So, what are you going to score it? It's a five for me. Like yeah. I, I have such little memory of this tournament. Yeah, I, I feel indifferent about it. It's only got five. So, the t- I, I can only at the time it was an eight, and I'm sticking with an eight. And like in retrospect, <laughs> I think it will be one of your lowest scores. <laughs> yeah, it will be one of my lowest <laughs> scores. Yeah. It's a low-scoring eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm five. five Delorean. Okay, right. Well, we've had a lovely time here in Salma. It's time <coughs> yeah. to get in the DeLorean. Let's pack ourselves in. Travel forward one year. Travel one year. <laughs> oh, God. And where are we now? We're not at a major tournament. Oh. It appears as if, guys, we're still in a qualifier. <laughs> Can it be that we're here in Rotterdam to watch England lose to Holland and not qualify for the 94 oh. World Cup? I can only assume that is the case. What, so here we are. Yeah, what are your feelings towards this quarter? How much... At this point, I'd already psychologically changed as a football fan from a sort of wide-eyed child to a cynical git. Yeah. Who sort of, even at that point, thought I knew better than the England manager. And I, although I did love Taylor, at that point I'd become a jaded England Well, I, I think... See, you know how we say, I couldn't believe we like went out of World Cup 90 because I presumed we were going to win it. Yeah. I remember when we lost to Holland, thinking this never happens. England are in all the tournaments. Yes. But of course, if we'd grown up in the if this was um, the quickly Kevin seventies version, <laughs> I was trying to think of some seventies commentary. And of course, I can't. <laughs> then we weren't in two World Cups in a row, yeah. and I don't even know if we were in the European Championships. So we didn't. It felt like we had a right to be in these tournaments, but yeah. we don't. No, but that's that's what's so difficult about now is that when people say, "Oh well, England are obviously shit," yeah, well, we're growing up. We're World Cup semi finalists. We're coming to Euro '96. Actually, we've done all right. Yeah, and that's the, the a really unfair thing about it is that we grew up with England as this great like powerhouse in international tournaments. Yeah, and now we live with the reality that we are rubbish. Yes, and it's so much harder that way around. I think I'd take it a lot better. I would enjoy it more if we were good now and rubbish back in the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Always, yeah. I'd always rather lose weight than put it on, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's better to be good looking now. <laughs> Not that I am, I'm actually quite This is probably the one which is the most. The match is a story in itself. Oh, There's so incredible. many moments. Because the others, it feels like they're part of a wider narrative of the tournament. There's a few big moments. This yeah. match is like watching, you know. Something with lots of twists and turns. <laughs> like a game of football. Yeah. It's like watching a game of football, like a really good yeah. match. <laughs> so England, did England need to win in Rotterdam? Or did they just need to draw? We needed to win to keep it in our hands. If we won this game, we could beat San Marino and qualify. Yeah. And this feels, now looking back, like a big ask. Yes. We, the Holland have got some... There's Rijkaard, there's Bergkamp, there's Koeman... And there's Sinton. I know. I mean, it does, and we've got to go to Rotterdam and win. Now, you wouldn't think there was much hope of that. At the time, it felt like it could happen. Yeah, but it was, I remember the Poland game where Wright has to come off the bench and equalise, really vividly. And I remember even then thinking, ah, this is, if it's going late against Poland, you know, what what hope have we got against the Dutch? Yeah, you know, yeah. Shall we watch it then? Yeah, and, but is it worth saying that there's as much time passed between now and 93 as there was between Natalia 90 and England winning the World Cup in 66? Wow. Is that true? Yeah, 24 years. God, that's sad. God, I'm <laughs> depressed. <laughs> right, so we'll just go through this bit by bit. Sinton. Can Platt get there first? Platt can get there first for England. That's got to be a penalty. Penalty given for England. The Dutch are claiming outside. 
The referee looked hard at the linesman. The linesman said inside. No. Has he given a penalty? A yellow card has gone to uh, Donald Coleman. I think he's changed his mind. He's changed his mind and given a free kick outside. Ryan, is that not a sending off offence under the rules of the game? Absolutely. Let's just determine first, though. That's got to be, hasn't it? I that's, mean, that's he's a through with a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Red card. He's given a yellow. More important, has he not get... No, he's given a free kick, I think, Ron. I think he's given a free kick. Graham Taylor oh, can't believe it. He's well, being shepherded back. Right. So it starts with Andy Sinton knocking a ball over the top. David Platt running through. Getting there ahead of Ronald Coleman. Through on goal. And he's pulled back. Which, in the rules, is a red card. Is a red card. He's been denied a clear goal score. I don't... Watching it now, I don't even remember it being that blatant. Like, it's hilariously blatant. Yeah. And also, the referee gives a penalty first, then changes his mind. Yes. So, like, it's such a stitch-up. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but it's it's horrific. It's so bad. It's the first time I've felt, like, in terms of... Well, not the first time with the injustice of referees, but that maybe at an England level, there was a justification for the sort of conspiracy theory of it all I think, it's dreadful I think what's amazing is listening to Brian Moore's commentary yeah. of it because his absolute bafflement sums it up perfectly it's always bad to lose anyway but when it's injustice yeah. that really burns away at you like you know when people talk about people who went to prison for years and they came out <laughs> and they'd forgiven the system you're like I can't forgive Ronald Koeman <laughs> like, every, day, every Saturday when I see him on telly I'm like that fat you know and everything yeah. else <laughs> And like popcorn's coming out of me now. Yeah. <laughs> so how can people come out of like, you know, Devil Island or whatever and just go, oh well. That was a miscarriage of justice, but I, you know, I'll smell the flowers. Be, do you think we should be financially compensated for what Ronald Koeman has done Absolutely. to us? There's, there's been no sort of... The, the fact that people don't even remember. The fact that he doesn't get abuse at football grounds for it. Yeah. But if anyone listening to this... We need to start a hate campaign. <laughs> Um, the There's one, been no closure. Yeah, the worst thing is um, then. So then it comes. Ronald Koeman should be sent off. We yeah. should have had a penalty. Neither happened. It's still nil nil. The commentary from this I can still remember. He's going to flake one. It, mm. Is it definitely a penalty? Because that I mean, watching that there, it's on the it line. Feels like it? the first contact. It's certainly definitely a red. It's card. absolutely a red card, and that's the biggest injustice. So Holland get a free kick on the edge of the area. They've they've, they've got one obvious free kick taker, Ronald Koeman. <sighs> Can we say, just before Koeman takes that, it cuts to the crowd and there's a man who's flashing a red card. I don't think I've ever seen a man turn up to a ground <laughs> with a red card. Who brings a card with it to show in like a crunch moment? There's an out-of-work ref. Trying to advertise your services. Koeman with the free kick for Holland. A vital moment as two sides look for a place in the World Cup finals. The first goal could be so vital. So Koeman steps up to take the first one. The free kick. To be fair, it's charged down by Ince, who's about two yards from the ball when he stops it. So they should have retaken it, I suppose. But they've done the same to us, and yeah, as Hunter Newton. This commentary is one of the most iconic bits of the night. He's going to flick one. He's going to flick one. Brilliant defending from Ince. Ince is the charger. Ince has come out and blocked the shot out, full of bravery. 
now he's been punished for it. So come on, England. Let's can see we, if we can hold can we talk game. about, just before Koeman takes his free kick and before Brian Moore utters these famous words, can we talk about Seaman's positioning here? This is insane. Why is he not in the middle of the goal? Yeah. Like, yeah, he is surely stood. he can't be expecting the ward is going to stop that side of the goal. He can't say mm, that. Because yeah. he could drill yeah. it lower, he could do anything. It's madness. You'd never I, see I, a goalkeeper do this. Do you know what Peter Shilton would have done? No wall, and then he'd have followed <laughs> where the ball was going. <laughs> it's madness. Shilton has the same technique as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> just follow the ball wherever it goes. Into the woods, into the lanes, off a bridge. Just Shilton's just chasing balls for the rest of his life. Come on, England, let's see if we can hold it out again. Again, it's Ronald Koeman. Again, the problem is there. Again, it's a critical moment. He's going to flip one now. He's going to flip one. He's going to flip one, and it's in! Oh, heartbreak. By this point, it's all over, really, isn't it? Yeah. Tony Zariga hits a post. Holland score again. Who gives a shit? Um... Well, when we we spoke to the the, the guy who made the Impossible Job do- documentary, and he told us, well, he's convinced there were shenanigans at play. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh come but on! But you've got to send Kuman off. It's just a clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so clear a foul. Jet fuel doesn't burn on the Come on, mate. What fuel? Yeah, yeah. Straight off the grassy knoll. <laughs> Oh, but it was. That, that foul was so clear. And the fact that he's allowed to retake the free kick, it feels like Koeman is... Certainly the second time that yeah. free kick feels inevitable then. Yeah. So he's bound to score it now. Uh, after this game, I remember thinking... I knew that there was still a technical possibility that we could qualify. And I remember not being too damn high. I was like, we're going to qualify. They can't be... They can't have the World Cup without... That's an English and I remember like, like and reading the papers that coming up building up to the San Marino game after this and then like doing the calculations in my head like we're, but they're not going to let us not qualify <laughs> yeah, like I, what's going to happen I like, remember, we're not going to be there <laughs> I was more disappointed by the San Marino game for a similar reason I thought well yeah we're going to score the goals that we need to score but also we and, needed Holland to lose as well yeah, yeah but I don't Poland. think that came, came into my mind then I just had yeah. this like my, my belief in England hadn't been rocked Yes. in that way like to me they were sort of indestructible it's like you, yeah. know, you go out to Germany Italian 90 and that's fine because it's you lose arguably when you're supposed to lose as England yeah. mm. but this felt like well no it's not that's like killing the hero in the first act of the film <laughs> yeah. like, who would do that it's madness it's not psycho like, they're not Alfred Hitchcock like, they're going to get through yeah, yeah I agree talking of psycho yeah. Stuart Pearce will track him through Mr. Penalty 1990 yeah. headbutted by Basil Bowley <laughs> 92, <laughs> in 92 yeah. 93 plays the back pass that leads to San Marino. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fastest goal in international football history yeah. up to that moment, isn't it? It was, yeah. It was sort of checkered England career, really. I remember the champ for years, Psycho was a German after he missed that penalty. For years and years. It was only in Euro 96 after he'd scored that away fans stopped singing it at the City Ground. Yeah. Six years he'd had that. Psycho is a German. Oh, but do you, I mean, you, no matter how hard you are, that, that gets to players. Yeah, not so that there's anything wrong it. with being a German. Unless it's against Ronald Koeman. <laughs> Um, did you watch USA 94? I did and I did the sticker album yeah but so it, it didn't you know it didn't feel the same the sticker album was crap that year as well it was really terrible. bad album it badly really designed rubbish, crap yeah. stickers and um, I suppose like the rest of us kind of followed Ireland 
Yeah. As far as you could stomach it. I mean, to be fair to the Irish, actually, all that mania with like Aldridge with like goldfish bags and all the rest of it. Yeah. Cool. Carrying water onto the pitch in a little bag. <laughs> <laughs> the bit where he's screaming at that line. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and the Irish had some great kits. Mountain's goal is fantastic. That Island away oh. kit's great. Lovely, that white away yeah. kit. Jack Charlton. We'll forever, we'll forever miss the chance to see Andy Sinton playing in the 100 degree heat. <laughs> <laughs> He struggled in 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my things. Uh, in the 2000s, one of my favourite things was for a period, every international tournament, there'd be stories about how much weight Paul Scholes had lost during one <laughs> half of football. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Struggling away on the left wing. Um, pain out of 10? Oh, that's 10. 10? Worse. Injustice. It burns. Uh, no, it's 9 for me. It's up there. Do you know what? It's not as bad for me, I don't think, that one. Um, because I just think... Um, I don't feel like it would have led to any deep glory. I, I think it was just delaying an inevitable pain. Yeah. Yeah, but did you feel like that at the time? No, but I don't think I was as profound. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, even watching that back now, it makes you um, punch someone. Eight. Uh, at the time, probably a six, but retrospectively, the sense of injustice and eight. Like it, so there you go. That's how we'll eventually get an inquiry. <laughs> is, is that momentum? Right. Justice for the Rotterdam Eleven. Yeah. Right. Let's get back in that DeLorean. And this yeah. time, we're firing it up and going a lot closer to home. We're going back to London, to Wembley Stadium. <laughs> It's the summer of 96. Matt, it's been a glorious summer so far, and it all comes down to this. Under the lights, Wembley Stadium. Oh, man. Germany. Let's, We're wearing oh, a great Let's to put you in the mood, we should listen to the Euro 96 BBC theme. Because oh. I don't think anything takes you back to a tournament like the BBC theme tune. Yes. Oh, I love that. The idea's got a little more high tech. Just so you know, at my funeral, I'm going to have that when the uh, when the curtains open. <laughs> the curtains are we're, we're having it the Apollo. <laughs> Dead at the Apollo. You were going to at the Apollo last night, you know, for the first time. <laughs> Psycho's free kick against Poland. That was that was the same qualification campaign. Belter. Oh, this this makes me so excited about an international tournament. I'm going to say it. I think this could. I, I'm not sure on the song choice. I love it. Oh, the beauty, unchanged since. That's a picture of our uh, 40s pants. <laughs> <laughs> It was the city ground. <laughs> and the old Wembley. The old Wembley, no backs on the seats. Yeah. Seen just a month earlier of Plymouth beating Darlington 1-0 in the playoff final. <laughs> that may well have been footage of it, seeing as it was empty. Now, um, <laughs> presumably this was the defining tournament of your life. Bonkers, yeah. Forest, um, because we were host, hosting it, the whole city was decked out in like 
Euro 96 livery. So they'd done yeah. all the arterial routes into town, had official Euro 96 stuff. There was stuff going on in town. Did you go to any of the games? No. <laughs> I just... I feel like a real fool now for not having gone. Yeah. But at that point, I wasn't bothered about anyone else but England. Yeah. Kind of in the same way now. I can watch Premier League football, but really I only care about Forest. I don't care about any other team in the league. I'm just not that bothered about other people. Mm-hmm. In football terms. <laughs> <laughs> important caveat. Really important caveat. As he takes up his floorboards and puts yeah. another body yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> now it would be different. Now I can go and watch Premier I can go to other grounds yeah, and yeah. I quite enjoy actually going to watch other teams other than Forest. But um, back then it was England only really for me at an international level. And so, so did you think we were going to win this? Well, it had been two years of friendlies, really. Yeah, and obviously that hurt and not qualifying had slightly tempered the expectation. And I, I remember before the Switzerland game being very nervous. I remember yeah. the opening ceremony being crap. Yeah. And some George yeah. Slane the Dragon. What is the point in all this rubbish? Um, and that still burns now. But, um, <laughs> but the real nerves before that, you just thought, this does feel a bit more cagey now. Yeah. Um, Gascoigne was fat. Shearer hadn't scored for a while, and it just—I felt England felt very cagey at that yeah. point. So actually, it was real, we drew our yeah. first game. They drew it Switzerland, yeah. and I remember thinking, like, here we go again. That Switzerland game was yeah. pretty dire against a rubbish, rubbish. team. You yeah. thought we were in for a summer of disappointment. Yes, and in I, a way, I was right. I remember great. <laughs> I don't know why this sticks with me, but I think it's a classic Des Lyon moment, and it was like the Sunday after England had drawn on the Saturday in the first game, and he put up some headlines that was like. England disappoint, England held, and he was like, "Not the headlines from yesterday. The headlines after we draw our first game of 1966 World Cup." And I he thought, loved. We are going to win it, and nice. I believed it. I think we were pretty shit apart from the Holland game until we got to the Germany game. Oh, but the Scotland game was great. Yeah, Neville was in his pomp at that stage, wasn't he? Gary Neville's probably best game ever as a footballer was England Scotland. Yeah. he was brilliant. It's mad to think he played in that tournament. I feel like he, he was like a, a noughties player. But yeah. He's there in the heart. Yeah. Great. And then we get to the Holland game. Where did you watch that? Sorry, the Germany game. Where did you watch that? Well, it's all these at home then. We're still too young to go to the pub, really. Yeah. This was my last sort of domestic tournament. <laughs> because after that, I was, France 98, I was in the pub. I was down at the Forest Grand Rotary. And did you cry? Oh, wept so bad. And for, you know, for all the obvious reasons, that it, it was tantalisingly close. And penalties yeah. again, but those two crucial moments in extra time. Obviously. Well, should we go through the match? Yeah. Should we just say that this is the game where Des Lynham opened the? I think it's where Des Lynham opened the commentary, the show. Sorry, by saying, "Oh, so you've heard there's a match on." <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, one of his, my favourite line of moments was Wimbledon, and it starts off. You tuned in, and it was footage of it chucking it down on centre court. I was like, "Oh man!" And it cuts to him in bright sunshine and goes. Any joking? It was just like, <laughs> it was just like library footage of centre court. <laughs> he loved a bit of misdirection, didn't he? Like, oh. and welcome to Wembley. Needs a deep cross from Pierce, who supplies one. It's it's a good try. Oh. Had plenty of. I really like that kid. Plenty of depth. Great one. On target. Taken by Gascoigne. Here it comes now. And a goal! England have scored! That point, five minutes in, one nil yeah, up. Dream. This is happening. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind we are winning Euro 96. I remember thinking, this could be four or five. Yeah. Oh, heartbreaking. So, Kuntz. <laughs> Bit of fun <laughs> for all the family. So, it's actually not like a great game with great moments. I no. remember there's... 
I had to re-watch that Germany goal to even remember what their goal was like or who scored it. The two big moments are in extra time. Yes. Which are Anderson hitting the post oh. and Gascoigne not getting to the ball. You know, with Gascoigne, I've watched that back so many times, as so many people have. And at the time I thought, you know, if he was a bit fitter when he got there, but he anticipates the goalkeeper a bit. Yeah. So actually, yeah. I don't think his fitness made any difference. No, I think he, he checked his run. He does he check his run, it. yeah. So we'll have a look at the, oh, the Anderson God. one. There's no offside. England have got a great chance here. Anderson have the post. So it's cut back to Anderson. It's behind oh, him. He, but the thing is about that, like that Anderson one when he hits the post, it's already past the keeper when it gets to his yeah. feet. So he's fallen over, but he could have just stood up and just passed it side foot into the net. But for some reason, he commits to like falling over. We should say, because it's been mentioned on this podcast, we interviewed Darren Anderson and we should get this fact out there as much as possible what he said the England because that would have been the first ever golden goal that's right and he told us that the England players had a planned celebration <gasps> which was on scoring the golden goal they were just going to all run down the tunnel <laughs> <laughs> oh god the world was denied <laughs> wouldn't that have been the greatest I moment mean, in the history of sport that was when football <laughs> sort of, not that they don't now but there was a kind of it was okay for them to have a sense of humour yeah. Yeah. do you think they'd have to sheepishly come back on or do you think <laughs> just to check <laughs> sorry mate it was offside yeah. oh. like that Sol Campbell moment against Argentina oh, they'd all no. run off I'd say that even if we won the tournament them all running off the pitch down the tunnel would be the greatest moment in English football history it would yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine if, like, one of them had forgotten the celebration and not been briefed. <laughs> or one of them had done that thing, you know, where you're like, where you trick, if they'd, like, tricked one of them just to run off. <laughs> or the other way. If you'd, if you'd not run down and you just stayed in the centre of the pitch and soaked it up on your own. Do you think Venables would have run down the line too, down to the tunnel? <laughs> like, oh, let's stuff. Then we have the Gaza miss. Oh, God. Oh, poor. Looking for Shearer, they've got to get players into the centre. Gascon! Oh, Paul! Oh. That is the most heartbreaking moment. I find that much harder than watching Gareth Southgate oh, against yeah. the penalty. Yes. I'd say, however, if you chose the moment that makes me most angry, it wouldn't be Coman's foul. Of all of these experiences we've been through tonight, the point Such that makes shame. me most angry yeah. is Andreas Moller's Celebration. Celebration after the he scored. cocky fucker. And I wish, I wish someone like Stuart Pearce would have just knocked him out. At Wembley as well. Just have some dignity, you prick. <laughs> oh, even now, look at him. Oh, I, remember, I remember crying after that game, that moment when Moller scored, and just saying, remember saying to yeah. my dad, it's just not fair. Yeah. It's yeah. not fair. Yeah, it was though. But <laughs> oh, yeah, it's totally fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there, there was nothing to complain about. There was no like bad decisions. Yeah. Um, with that, Pierce obviously scored the penalty against Spain. Yeah. And and another against the Germans. Wouldn't it have been hilarious if he had missed the one against the Germans? It would, <laughs> but it would have been horrible. If he'd, for five days, had redemption and then gone straight back. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, of course. <laughs> this, for me, is the one that's most vivid as a defeat. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I, mean, yeah. I think it probably is. Euro 96, because I was 13, so I was fully aware of what it all meant. He was in England. It had that song... It felt like we were building towards something. The Holland game. I genuinely felt like there was a narrative that was meant to happen. Yes, there was a destiny. And it didn't happen and it blew my mind. Yeah. And like, I don't think I had that with other ones. I think when we lose to Argentina in 1998, which we'll come to, I think 
Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, yeah. And I buy us losing to Holland, and I buy us losing to Sweden. And then maybe I was too young in 99, but Euro 96, it felt like, well, this is the summer that I'll always remember that was meant yes. to happen, and it didn't. There was something about, and I totally agree with that, there was something about, and I, I have it now, and it's almost... I don't believe in God, but your 96 sort of comes back to me at particular times, and I think there's almost like the spirit of it is still in the air. There was a there was a warmth on camera. I think during the Holland game was that there are parts of Britain during the summertime that nowhere else in, in the world is as beautiful, like a balmy summer night, yeah, yeah, like yeah. in a beer garden where there's the kind of haze in the air and the sun's sort of still lingering around. It's still warm. Yeah, there's, there's a magic in the air, there's, and I remember the England Holland game sort of was was lit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still the sun was still out, it was still warm, and it felt like we were all in a big beer garden together. Even though this we were, is the first draft of that John Major speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was even there's some on occasion now, sort of during spring and summer, I'll be in a beer garden, and the grass will be cut at a particular length, and the, the sun's coming through the trees. And I just think. That's your 96 hours. I, I, it just feel like, you know, like... <laughs> oh, it was great. Hunter S. Thompson has this uh, article about the end of the hippie era, and he says, if you go on the right hill in San Francisco in the height of summer, you can see where the hippie era reached its high water mark and then the waves receded. Mm. And I feel that way about England and, and football. Your 96, this was the moment, this summer, that moment was yeah. like one of the heights yeah, of, we've of never like, kind of, of football, English yeah. football culture, and it, it and the wave receded off that moment. Yeah, very true. And of course, it was, <laughs> but it was oh, wrapped up in so many other things yeah. as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and so much has been written and said about that period of Britpop and Blair and all the rest of it. But yeah. it was all happening at the same time. And, and then he invaded Iraq, <laughs> <laughs> which actually you know, gave us something to cheer about. And play, so that, was, that was a tournament we did well in. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note. Scores? Ten. 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 Yeah. Tens across the board. Tens across the board. Okay. Well, we've had a lovely time here in London, but it's time to get back in the DeLorean. This time it's south of France. England, Argentina. Is this round of 16 or quarterfinals? Round of 16. Balmy summer's evening again. Yeah. I remember thinking, Matt, that we weren't going to win this. I didn't feel like we had yeah. a chance. Yeah, I remember. So this was this was this was now into my pub time. I was watching yeah. this in the pitch sports diner at the back of the Trent End in at Forest. Yeah, yeah. at a bar in there. We'd all gone down there, but it was the week when a mate of I'd passed out at a house party and a mate of mine had shaved an eyebrow off. <laughs> <laughs> so all week I was doing work experience with a Labour MP, and my sister had to draw an eyebrow on using a mascara brush. To sort of give the effect of hair, but as the week was wearing on, she was getting sort of like more decorative. Like she made me look like the Rock at one point. Like she was doing these huge sort of sarcastic eyebrows. Cameroon on me. forever written across your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> but I got interviewed on local telly before kickoff, so they had like an East Midlands Today crew there. Oh yeah. And they were like, oh, you know, what should you do? What should you do? I was like, oh, they need to get Stuart Pearce back in there. You know, like, like the drunk Come on, mate. It's it's quite an iconic game. The, the stadium, it's a very... we Me and Michael went to what, uh, France to watch England uh, last year in the Euros. Yeah, I went to the Russia game yeah. in Marseille. So we went, we went to Saint-Étienne to watch the 0-0 against Slovakia. Oof. And it really, the moment you get in there, like no other ground, you can see that Michael Owen goal. Can't wow. You? There's something so distinctive about the stands. I think as we were sat as well... 
the sort of side where the cameras were quite high so up. So you sort of had the same so shot So you had almost. the same perspective yeah. and instantly it was like, oh my God, yeah, this is this is it. This is where it all happened. Wow. Mike Lowen, who hadn't insanely, didn't start the tournament as in yeah. England starter because Glenn Hoddle said he wasn't a natural finish. <laughs> but I have to say, Hoddle makes some bizarre like, calls yeah. in this tournament yeah. and like, I never remember such a fuss around the World Cup squad. Like it was such a yeah, big deal. Yeah. Like, it's never that much of a big deal now. Well, Beckham it was the like big deal. Wasn't it? It? Yeah, that was yeah. the thing people really agitated for was Beckham, and he scored that phenomenal free kick against Colombia. Yeah, mm. it's one of the best free kicks. I knew he was going to score it. It was one of the rare occasions where you really know. Yeah, it's just obvious who was going to score that. It was a belting goal. We've also uh, we've overlooked the fact we lost a group game. We lost to Romania. That's right, and. I looked into it, so we shouldn't have been playing Argentina if we'd won the group. Oh, who'd we have? But we'd have been playing Croatia, who would have probably beaten us anyway. Because <laughs> right, they yeah, got yeah. to the semi-finals. Um, but, so it was quite, yeah, you're right, there was a lot of debate over the teams and Gaza, and part of me thinks, like, you know, I'd say, like, Gaza is, um, was, like, problematic within the squad and you couldn't have him on the bench, which I think is wrong, I think you could. I actually think, you know how they say, like, Theresa May's got like uh, Boris Johnson as foreign secretary because he's he's more manageable when he's there. Yes, I think Gaza not being in the squad is more of a bad influence on the squad. Yes, it's too such a big statement. Mm. Just taking him, just kind of giving him the odd ten minutes when you two nil up would have probably been a much more clever way to manage it. I think. Mm. I totally agree. I don't think you'd have played him much, but also it would have been exciting to bring him off the bench. Of course, it? in yeah. those big games when it matters talismanic in a way that very few England players ever have been. Should we watch that? Shall we kick this game off? So to the most memorable encounter of round two, Argentina versus England. Once again, an early goal triggered things. Five minutes in, Gabriel Batistuta beat David Seaman with a penalty. Four minutes later, Argentina conceded their first goal of the tournament. Alan Shearer's penalty made its way into the Argentine net and England were flying. So, two penalties, one each, Batistuta, Shearer. Uh, interestingly, Seaman almost saves that Batistuta penalty, and we lose this on, on a shootout. But Seaman is the opposite of Shilton. He is good at penalty saving. Been yeah. fantastic in your 96. He obviously saved one against Scotland and then the Spain yeah. penalty shootout. Here, I was taught to save penalties by David Seaman for a thing on League of Their Own. Yeah. And I said, what's, the, what's, your, what's your tip? Yeah. Well, the great penalties. And he said, Guess. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he could have told Shilton that, might have <laughs> Oh, he didn't say, So, Argentina won, England won, step forward. I thought he was going to say, you can see it in their run up. Well, I, I've heard shape. him say that. I've heard someone say that about him, that he looks at hip position and the, the way you place your standing foot. And then if you, it's a certain way, it means they can't physically, or it's almost impossible to get yeah. the ball round. So if they do that, he instantly goes that way. And actually, he saved more of his penalties to that side because he just knew in order for the person to whip it round that way. Yeah. But you think he didn't want to tell me because he did worried I'd get too good? <laughs> <laughs> and then you could be the third goalkeeper at a World Cup. Me on because I'm so small, they think I must be amazing. I mean, that <laughs> and then the guy would score the first penalty, and they'd be like, Right, well, we're through. I mean, how, yeah. how, how tall are you, Josh? Five, six and a half. So, if they bring on a five foot six and a half goalkeeper in the 119th minute, yeah, right, that's going to freak out at least one of the penalties. <laughs> yes. Like, one of them is going to go, What the hell <laughs> yeah. is going on? But, but crucially, not the other four. <laughs> <laughs> 
the forest. Oh, great. People lining up to take the sudden death one. Is that Warwick Davis? Is your third choice gone? What's he going to do? Some magic? Imagine if he saved the first one. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> right. Do you so, think if you took 100 panic against Warwick Davis, you'd score every single one? No. no. I don't think I'd score everyone if there was no goalie. <laughs> like, 100 times. I think it's harder when there's no goalie. Yeah, because you think it's going to be easy. I went to the National Football Museum and they've got the goalposts oh, yeah, from yeah. Wembley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, at the end where um, Gaza scored against Scotland and where Pierce scored against Spain... And you, you, you time your shot on it, and I was—I took three goes and hit them all over the bar with no keeper. <laughs> I think there's someone there. It sort of recalibrates your brain a bit. I mean, that feels like you're making an excuse. I was just wrong. It's down the middle. I was just blasting it because I was just going for pace and power rather than thinking and having to outwit. If you at least if you blast it, you look like you tried. Do you know what I mean? You're not trying to be too clever on a penalty. Yeah. So, iconic moments: Gaza crying, Gaza missing the ball against Germany and I'd say the third would oh. probably be Michael Owen scoring this goal step forward Michael Owen he'd made a great impression in the group stages but this was a night when a good player turned into a great one collecting the ball just inside the Argentine half Owen slalomed his way through to score the goal of his young career oh. I forgot how good that goal is it's fantastic. So what's weird about it is Owen breaks through what looks like the Argentinian defence and there's a sweeper just stood on yes. the mirror he comes yeah. in yeah, yeah. shot and you're like what is that guy doing? Yeah, yeah. What formation are playing there? It was yeah. like sort of streets of rage where endless people keep coming <laughs> into the... Where are all these post boys coming from? Look at the computer game. Oh, God. It's I'm such a good goal. You kind of forget, because Michael Owen... It's astonishing that Michael Owen's now like a figure of fun, essentially. Yeah. He's like a shorthand for like rubbish commentator who gets yeah, abused yeah. on Twitter. And you forget that he was like considered the most exciting English player maybe even more than Gaza yeah. and he scored that goal and he was and he uh, won one European player of the won, year one European player of the yeah. year and he was 18 when this happened and what a disappointing career no? yes oh, without a doubt yeah I mean that was the pinnacle of it and that was at the start how many England players is that pinnacle like that for like Gaza Rooney in 2004 yeah Owen in 1998 it's so a thing of these bright England players like you could imagine Marcus Rashford having a great World Cup and then never having anything but I think it's the psychology of it at least Harry Kane was rubbish in his first tournament that's a really good point (laughs) yeah but I think the first time they're just itching and they've they've got that sort of they've got that arrogance of youth and they're going to show you what I'm made I'm going to get into this side and by the time of the next one they're just as jaded as the rest of them then Argentina's equaliser is to be fair absolutely sublime to this day I'll replay it over an amazingly worked free kick suddenly England had the lead and the momentum but crucially they couldn't transform that into a third goal in first half stoppage time Argentina's experience told a wonderfully worked free kick one Sebastian Veron to the unmarked Javier Zanetti. 2-2. England had been caught cold. Defences tightened up after half-time, but England's had to. At the start of the second half came controversy. David Beckham tangled with his opposite number, Diego Simeone. The Argentine made the initial foul, but Beckham's retaliation, a kick that caught the wily Simeone, would prove costly. So Beckham's... Get sent off for the foul on Simeone. Yeah. Fair? I, I, 
Watching it back yeah. now, I feel the same as I did at the time. It's not a red card. It's I not don't a red think card. he should have been sent it's off. No. Well, the do you thing not is, think? Simeone crashes into his back. He, fa- he goes out of his way to hurt him and winds well, that's him up. Not, that's, but that shouldn't be considered. But, uh, but Beckham's on the floor. It's such a delicate little, it's a dainty little flick yeah, it's of right, the boot. It's right under the nose of the ref. But it's not a kick, is it? If he whacked him on his feet, that's a kick. That he, if that's like a push. That's a yellow. The thing is, best. I don't think it matters. I don't think we'd have gone on to win 4-2. No. I think we'd have probably lost on penalties and Beckham would have... Yeah. But he could have scored a penalty. He could have, he could have got a free penalty. kick towards yeah. the end or something. You know, he was yeah. a good player at that yeah. point. And he would have been good from a set piece. It was just the fact it was under the nose. What was fascinating was, rather than blaming the ref, he was the first England player I remember people blaming him. Yeah. yeah. Rather than yeah. going, oh, this is injustice, people went, this guy, and there was obviously the effigies hanging off cranes and whatever else. Yeah. But immediately in the public was, this guy's a tosspot, you know, this yeah. guy's an idiot. And I think partly because of his haircut. And the <laughs> lifestyle he was going out of the Spice Girl, which all I think that stuff annoyed people. Really that, winds people up, because people were more into All Saints at that point. <laughs> <laughs> So then we lose. Uh, then Sol Campbell scores a disallowed goal. That's the injustice, yeah. And that moment when they're celebrating, they realise, oh. and then the Argentinians are running up the other end, <laughs> almost scoring. How is that imagine, allowed? Imagine if they had scored. Imagine if the Argentinians had scored. I just don't think it should be goal, wasn't it? At this point, yeah, he was halfway down the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm so depressed having gone for all these clips. I'm Batty, yeah. Ints. I mean. For me, how are they in your first two penalties, first five penalties, first four penalties? Well, if you look at who was left on the pitch, like there weren't actually that many attacking players who were natural penalty takers. Every professional footballer should be able to score a penalty, though, shouldn't they? I mean, I know that it'd be a long the hour in the evening, that. though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we should be able to score a penalty. They can all hit a ball, yeah, yeah. like with a good contact. I go so far as to say, any bloke. <laughs> any football fan any person or any woman any adult absolutely should be able to score a penalty I mean not five minutes ago you told us that you missed you skied at least two over the <laughs> bar absolutely, and, oh absolutely. and, and I'm, you know I'd carry that <laughs> and when I next visit the football museum in Manchester I'll avenge that I'll get ballistic <laughs> but is it, I know that obviously you have to I think penalties are psychological more than about technique yeah, yeah. and do you know what blows my mind is that you can't this idea that you can't practice penalties because you might as well say you can't practice football because yeah, yeah. you don't have Stephen Hendry doesn't go you can't practice topical reference yeah. but like or, uh, or uh, Willie Thorne <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hendry doesn't say you can't practice pot in the black because you, you don't know what it's like to be at the crucible yeah. it's the same thing it's golf it's well, Snooker. It's, it's muscle memory. Like, yeah, exactly. The best penalty takers, like Letizia, Venestroy, those guys practice like yeah. all the time, relentlessly. And if it's about pressure and psychology, recreate pressure. Well, get yeah. 50 drunken blokes down, stand behind the goal. Get a her, loved one, put a gun to their head. Absolutely. It's <laughs> highly personal abuse at Well, I heard that Hoddle practiced penalties, but and, and he would pipe in the, the sound of football fans that's a good idea while yeah. they, while they were t- practising penalties I mean it didn't do any good obviously <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> not a good enough <laughs> uh, pain out of 10 oh that was a 10 for me 
Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, I take it all really... Do you know that one for me, not as much, because I thought we might... I'd never felt like we were going to beat Argentina. It didn't feel like we were inevitably going to win. There's a lot of good teams at France 98. Yeah, but um, I was shit-faced. <laughs> I was so drunk Also, we would have played finals. Holland, who would have definitely beaten us. Yeah. Ah, but we've done it two it's years a, before. It's an argument that we may have won. If you can beat Argentina, you can beat Holland. And this is the problem now, is that you go, well, we're only two goals away from winning that. <laughs> yeah. That was disallowed for no reason. Um, I was so delusional as an England fan. More, so, <laughs> more than I am as a Forest fan. Yeah. Because I think, well, they are really good players. But even like, this, you know, I do last it year. at the start of every tournament. I look at the England team and think, we've got a, ch- got a chance here. We've got a lot going yeah. forward. If Harry Kane gets in a run, <laughs> I do it every tournament. Do, do you still? Yes, yeah, I, I do. do yeah. I do. And I tell time. myself I don't care. And it starts, and I really do. Because Absolutely, France 98 yeah. for me was that, like, it's almost like relationships where Italian 90 was primary school you're playing kiss chase she breaks up with you you're a little yeah. bit hurt but you don't have an understanding of the context yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Euro 96 is like your first love and yeah. it's like yeah. that one it still it still hurts the baggage yeah. is carried into every relationship you still got yeah. on Facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> but France 98 I'd sort of because I'd been hurt once before I sort of felt like I could never be hurt in the same way so that point that was a tipping point for me I was over the hump so that yeah. one's like a seven like and even retrospectively yeah. and I think with the Germany game in Italian 90 and Euro 96 I felt like we were the better team and we could have won it but like Josh said it's like we were never going to win that tournament Zidane would have destroyed us in the final like we weren't I don't think Zidane would have got the chance to destroy us in the final like we'd have gone out to Brazil in the (laughs) semis I think it's got the best theme tune of any of them I think we should uh, do it just before the scores just to really get your emotions up I love this one. This, for me, is perfect. If someone said to me, what do you want to do with your theme tune, I'd say classical music yes. combined with it, like sepia images yes. of old players from World Cups and combined with something that makes it feel like it's very highbrow art. Yeah. Did you... Oh, I love that bit of the wine glasses. Um, See, this feels too much like a requiem already. Ness and Dorma felt like... There was optimism. This, I feel like it's it's already over. It's starting. <laughs> it does. Do you remember when Desline and Radiff over this at the end of the oh, tournament? I had that on CD. It's so good. If you can hold your head while all the way on them and losing theirs, blame you on you. But over this music, stunning. Let's listen to that in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Scores. Uh, it's a nine for me because I just didn't think we were going to do anything. Yeah, I'm going to go eight. See, I have to say, on most of them, I'd feel ten. But it's relative to Gazza in 96, it's not the same, so I'll go nine. Do you know what? When I look back over all these disappointments we've looked at, I just think, what bad luck. Like, so much went against us to lose all these games that perhaps with a different bit of luck, we could have possibly won a couple of World Cups in the European Championship. There's a companion podcast that we'll never do where you look at... Uh, earlier games in these tournaments where we got through purely because of good luck (laughs) where we looked through the fact that Belgium hit the post and then we scored in the last minute and the Spain one where they had a goal disallowed against us yeah yeah well Well, I mean you know the penalty we get in the Argentina game I mean it's died for yeah I mean equally with a lot of these things especially we're not qualifying is the problems are in the earlier games once it's going down to the crunch against a team like Holland you're putting yourself if we'd have beaten Poland I'm still reliving that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> a few questions to end. 
Would you say the 90s was a good or a bad time to be an England fan? It was an excellent time to be an England yeah, fan. Yeah, I think it was the best time. It was great. I think just to be a football fan in England or in Britain was a good time. But England, a World Cup semi-final, hosting a major tournament and getting to the semi-final of that. Really, yeah. nothing else matters after that. And actually, we played really well in France 98. Yeah. So actually, overall, there was more good than bad. Yeah. And what was the most painful? If you could go back and change one of those results. Oh, Germany 96. Yeah. Gaza. Gaza gets to that. Gaza gets to that. Cause and I they, think all run, to... they all run down the tunnel. We all run down oh. the tunnel, oh. into themselves, and we lose in the final. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we'd have, we'd have beaten the Czech Republic. No question about it. Yeah. Matt Ford, thank you very much. Pleasure. Never a more vital penalty for England. It's all square! That was the brilliant Matt Ford. We should say a couple of things. Number one, um, we should just recap that if you want to buy tickets for the final few tickets for the live date in Manchester, they go on general sale at 10 a.m. Uh, they'll be on our Twitter and on the Lowry website. And also, if you want to get in touch with the show, this is how you can do it. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin. And sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Lovely. Reviews? Reviews. Okay, every week we ask you to leave your reviews on iTunes. On iTunes, we don't want them we don't want them emailed to us. We're not that vain. Vain. Go on iTunes, leave a review, mention a reference to the nineties in there and it'd feature in the opening titles the following week if Michael likes it. Got two for you this week. Uh, if you want to be the best, be a cut above the rest. Dedication's what you need, and the makers of this podcast have it. Roy Castle. Wonderful man. Um we had another review. I'll have a cue, please, Bob. Which cue is the best 90s-based football podcast available on iTunes? Quickly, Kevin. Correct. And that takes you to the gold run. Keep up the good work. Bob Holness. Wonderful. Oh, well. Uh, would, have been, would have been Blockbusters, definitely, but we did that very yeah. recently. So I feel like... Roy Castle. It's got to be Roy Castle. Roy Castle, congratulations. My favourite Bob Holness fact, and we will move on because I know we haven't got much time, is that he played the saxophone on Baker Street. <laughs> Which I don't think is true, but it is a big rumour. It's It's one of those Kentucky Fried legends. Okay. Michael, the quiz. Right, time for the quiz. So, as regular listeners will know, Josh and Chris take part in a weekly 90s football-based quiz. Uh, This series, we've been building them around classic 90s quiz or TV shows. So, this week, it is The Price is Right. So, you'll be given a selection of football transfers from the 90s. All you have to do is write down the combined total price of those transfer fees. Oh, yes, please. Closest player to the correct answer wins the quiz and gets to choose the song. Love it, Michael. Here are your transfers. Paul Gascoigne from Spurs to Lazio. Lee Sharp from Manchester United to Leeds, Alan Shearer from Blackburn to Newcastle, and Dwight York from Aston Villa to Manchester United. It's tough. One on there I'm not sure about. I'm fairly confident with the rest. Okay. Okay, so time to reveal your answers. First up, Chris, what is your combined price for those transfers? 33 million. 
Josh, what is your combined price? 40. 40 million. Do you want, do you want our maths? Okay, so first up, Paul Gascoigne from Spurs to Lazio. 8.5? 5. The correct answer was 5.5. <laughs> Next one, Lee Sharp from Manchester United to Leeds. Josh? 4.5. 5. The correct answer was 4.5. <laughs> Alan Shearer from Blackburn to Newcastle? 15. 15. Correct. And finally, this one is going to be crucial. <laughs> Dwight York from Aston Villa to Manchester United. Josh? I've gone too high. 12? I've gone 8. The correct answer was 12.6. Oh! What does that mean? The total, the correct total was 37.6 million. Yes, please. Josh ah. wins and pulls even further ahead. That's oh, I'm now. Oh, I'm delighted with that. Um, and I will celebrate with Show Me Love by Robin S. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, next week, we have the brilliant Tom Crane talking about the equally brilliant Barry Fry. Wonderful stuff. Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.